Welcome everyone to our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. Momentarily, I will be joined by two Paralympians that won gold and two silvers in the most recent Winter Paralympics. Jake Atikoff, uh, who at the collegiate level skied at Bowdoin, finishing in 2018. And then Sam Wood, Jake's guide, skied at the collegiate level at Middlebury, finishing in 2019. Three medals, a gold and two silvers. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you and Sam, if you can tag team after. Uh, just what was that like? Certainly the gold and the two silvers, but to come home with that kind of haul in the Winter Olympics. Yeah, it was a it was an amazing uh, couple of weeks that we had over there. Um, came over with some pretty high expectations um, race-wise and uh, delivered pretty well on them. We were fighting for gold medals kind of all week. Um, and they were they were very elusive. Um, and then we uh, we got a gold in the final race in a team relay. And yeah, it was it was amazing. And it was so fun to do that with the team that we were skiing with. So it was a really, really incredible experience all around. Yeah, it was um, that that gold on the, the final day of competition was uh, the first relay medal that um, U.S. Nordic uh, Paralympics had ever won. So really cool to be a part of that kind of historic moment, uh, winning that gold, especially with some really decorated and amazing teammates and Oksana Masters and, and Dan and in Sydney. I mean, these guys are just like incredibly dedicated athletes. So to be able to be on that team and, and work with them was, uh, yeah, it was definitely the highlight of the entire games. So. And Jake, this year, uh, second Olympics winning silver, uh, prior to that in, uh, in, in Korea, um, Let's go first with the Nordic aspect of this. Um, help us understand, you know, how it works uh, in, in this event, Jake, and then Sam. Yeah, so um, in uh, my class, I'm a visually impaired athlete. So um, I race with Sam as a guide. Um, and in my classification, um, we use guides a little bit less for actually getting around the course um, because I can actually ski races by myself and have done that um, a lot in the past um, um, we're much more focused on uh, using this like guide athlete relationship to ski faster um, so uh, Sam and I have put in a lot of work this year um, you know figuring out how to um, get around courses um, as fast as possible uh, using him to like set the pace and also to draft off of him and so we've you know kind of um, you know built this relationship and, and have a lot of success just from um, all the time that we spent working together doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, definitely a, a unique, um, you know, uh, guide athlete relationship. Um, you know, it doesn't really show up elsewhere in sport where, uh, where you know, my job is just to fully help Jake um, ski the best race he can. So, uh, you know, Jake's racing against a whole class of, of visually impaired athletes. Um, in the kind of categories uh, descend in, in visual impairment and Jake's in the, the least visually impaired category. So that means that he is uh, skiing really quickly and, and moving really fast out there in course. So a lot of my job is just making sure that, um, you know, we're, we're skiing the right lines, right? Taking the best, the best corners um, and just saving seconds wherever we can. So uh, as you said, this is a very unique relationship. Um, it's a very individual sport. So to you, Sam, first, how did you deal with checking that at the door? 
and saying, you know what, this is more about Jake making sure that he's faster, that he's safe, uh, and to do this, you know, correctly within, I'm sure, guidelines of what you can and can't do uh, after a career of obviously being much more, which is natural in the sport, to be about yourself. Yeah, definitely. No, it, was, it was an interesting transition, and I think it's probably similar to the transition a lot of coaches have when they go from athlete to coach, which is um, suddenly uh, the reins are out of your hands. You know, I can't pull Jake or push Jake around the course. It's all under his own power. So, um, so I'm out there just trying to support and, and create, you know, the best environment for him to have his best race every day in the same way that a coach does, you know, um, I just get to be actually out there on the course, but yeah, it's, it's was definitely a, you know, I had to take, um, my foot off my own competitive, you know, gas pedal. Right. And, and kind of, uh, yeah, really focus on, okay, what does Jake need here? Um, you know, we had figured out kind of a lot of nonverbal cues, um, in ways that I could understand how he was skiing and, and, you know, where his energy level was at and, you know, how hard we could push in that moment. And so just being, you know, being really receptive to those and um, the more competitive I got, the less I would notice those. So really trying to, to shut that out and, and, you know, focus on Jake and, and understand that that was, you know, yeah, we wanted to win and that, that was the way we were going to win. So, um, you know, I was still competitive, but that competitive drive kind of, you know, forced me into, you know, being more open and receptive to, to what was going on with Jake than, you know, in years past racing for yourself than in your own head, you know, so. So Jake, uh, how did you meet to build this relationship? Yeah, so Sam came out to Sun Valley, Idaho, where I grew up um, for a postgraduate year um, after after racing in high school. Um, and it was the same time that I was actually leaving to go to Bowdoin. Um, he showed up and had a spot to live with my parents for the first month you were in town. Um, and so we, we kind of met briefly then and then, um, we would spend summers training, get together in Sun Valley and also, you know, got to know each other really well skiing on the NCAA circuit in, in, on the East coast. Um, and yeah, formed, formed a pretty strong friendship then. And then I kind of, yeah, just, just went from there. Um, when COVID hit, I was working in San Francisco and came home, um, thought I was only going to be home for a couple, couple weeks and then back in the city. Um, but I stuck around, um, kind of through the pandemic and Sam was again, uh, we were both living with my parents again, um, which is obviously a really cool thing to do. Um, but we were having fun and, uh, you know, I would, I was getting out, he was on the professional team at the time or at, on the professional team, um, that we both ski for now. And. So I was, I was joining for training sessions and uh, kind of slowly getting back into shape. And then uh, a little over a year ago, it kind of tame, came time to, you know, question, you know, what I wanted to do with skiing, um, figure out where I wanted to go. And, and yeah, Sam kind of proposed that we, we go at this together um, and, you know, uh, kind of relentlessly attack, attack this, this year uh, training wise and, and go for gold at, at the Beijing games. Uh, yeah, so what's interesting to me, you know, what's interesting is, um, let's say compared to, you know, a track athlete who has a guide, um, you're on stable ground. There aren't, you know, especially if it's just a basic race or whatever, aren't many obstacles in your sport. Um, there's a danger element. And, and obviously, you know, there has to be trust 
And I'm curious, even though you've got a good friendship that had been built, how did you guys build that trust on the mountain? I'll start with you, uh, Jake, and then Sam, if you could piggyback after. Yeah, um, our trust mostly is in uh, in our communication. We we talk through a lot of you know our, our ski races um, before we even get to the start line, um, and you know that's when we decide on on race plans and, and how to ski a course. Um, so yeah, it's just been a lot of time like figuring out how to have those conversations and and how to have them effectively. Um, but yeah, it's it's purely communication, I would say. Um, unless you have yeah, anything to no, add. No, I, I think that's it. I think it's just um I mean it's it's both communication and then also just a lot of time. I mean, like hundreds of hours spent training together at this point, um, whether just kind of more casually out for longer skis or you know, really dedicated interval sessions. Um so it's both creating a really good plan before the race and then also having kind of this, this deeper knowledge of, okay, you know, how Jake skis, you know, where his fitness is at, like what, yeah, basically just what he's experiencing during that race. Um, so that, that really became possible just because we spent, you know, that much time um, kind of training, you know, one-on-one, uh, you know, and with our teammates, but really just focusing on, okay, how are we as a, as a pair, you know, going to ski best um so yeah so look beijing obviously there was a lot of questions um because of covid uh was it going to happen um you know what was it going to look like so help me here tell me what was that experience like under incredibly strict protocols uh jake and and sam you can just piggyback after yeah i mean we you know didn't really think too much about if beijing was going to happen or not um it, it's not really an effective way to to approach a season um Beijing being being the main goal of the season so we we just uh trained all year like like we were going to be there um which in my mind was was the only way to approach that problem but um leading up to Beijing the COVID stress was was extremely high um there was a 14 day like if you get a positive test it's a it's no flight to Beijing so we were, you know, that, that was probably the most stressful part of our, our race season um, was just trying to stay healthy through, um, you know, the three or four months leading up to it. And yeah, we got, you know, both got, I would say, very lucky, um, no positive COVID tests um, and got on the flight to Beijing. And then once we were there, um, COVID, I mean, that was, must have been the most secure COVID bubble in the world <laughs> um i don't think that there were any positive tests or positive cases when we were there so it was a yeah pretty incredible to see that yeah it was definitely a unique um you know a unique experience but really like the the usopc had such a wealth of kind of knowledge and, and resources there um and people really dedicated to making sure that you know we we got through that process as you know healthfully as possible and um, yeah, and then once we were in Beijing, you know, we were testing daily and, you know, it was, there was always the chance of, you know, either a false positive or, or you know, an unlucky positive, but um, yeah, we made it through. It definitely at times seemed like the idea that we'd actually make it through the games without any, any false positives seemed ridiculous, right? But uh, yeah, it happened. The, the whole team, you know, made it through without incident. Um, everyone, uh, you know, on, on our team was able to compete and you know, we're really thankful for that. So, yeah. 
All right, so I, I just want to wrap this up with going back to your college experiences. Um, Jake and Sam, if you can, you know, answer this, just how much did Bowdoin and Middlebury prepare you for the Olympic level competition that uh, you've had great success in? Yeah, for me, uh, college skiing, it's one of the most fun skiing circuits in the U.S., um, if not the most. And I, I think that that's uh, kind of felt by, by a lot of college athletes. So, um, you know, for me, getting getting back into the sport was like kind of reconnecting with the people around me and um, and like not learning to love it again because I already did, but like, you know, finding that passion again and just from the four years that I spent at Bowdoin racing with that team, I knew that that passion was there. And, um, you know, I was, I was really ready to like get back to it. And so that, that's what I took away most from, from my NCAA career. Um, and yeah, also training with Nathan Alsebrook at Bowdoin, um, and the team there. Um, I definitely, uh, you know, grew a lot as an athlete there. Uh, so yeah, those two things, um, I think set me up pretty well for this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with Jake that skiing in, you know, college skiing NCAA circuit is, is, you know, the most fun you can have as a, as an athlete, I think as a Nordic athlete, I mean, it's a great time. And, and really being on that team, um, you know, being at Middlebury for myself, um, you know, buying in with a, with a group of people to, to kind of chase some big goals. That's what we did at, at Middlebury. And we spent four years, you know, trying to, trying to win carnivals. And we did my senior year. And, you know, that was an amazing moment and, and tons of fun. And, um, and, you know, that was really the same thing that we did here, which was a team of people, Jake, I, our coaches, um, you know, yeah, this entire community kind of was like, yeah, Jake's getting back into it and he wants to go for gold. Um, so it was a really similar experience as far as just like, okay, here's a collection of people with a shared vision and they're going to work hard to achieve it. Um, and, and we did, and it was amazing and it was, it was a ton of fun. And, you know, that's, that was a feeling that I first kind of learned in college at Middlebury and, um, and to get to recreate it on an even kind of bigger scale. Um, I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. You know, just to keep pushing. Yeah. And what I love here is you've got two New England rivals from Vermont, Maine, those states, joining forces for the U.S. Uh, to, to win medals uh, in the Olympics. Again, gold, two silvers. Uh, Jake won a previous silver. Unbelievable uh, competition uh, results from both of you. Congratulations again uh, for just an amazing Olympics. Uh, hopefully there's more. Uh, good news for the two of you here in the future. Uh, so that'll wrap up this edition of our NCAA Social Series. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all of them are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.